Hello and welcome to the unofficial, unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Mariana Dan, and with me, as always, to talk about things excellent women's cycling is Mariana Sarah. How are you, Mariana Sarah? What? Are there any other Mariannas in the whole thing? I mean, what's cycling in women's cycling without Mariana? It's the Mariana, Mariana, Mariana. I don't. I, I, what? Oh, are you talking about the? Are you talking about the press yeah, conference? Yeah, exactly. Apparently, oh. apparently, to a large swathe of the cycling media, women's cycling doesn't exist. If 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 there's if there's women's bike racing and there's no Mariana to, to race, it didn't happen. <laughs> well, there's a part of. Oh yeah, but I can kind of see why I miss Mariana. Did I tell you I interviewed Mariana Voss last week? Yeah, yeah. Um, which you know, obviously, subscribers to the podcast can can pick up on. But if you're not a subscriber, a fuck you, and b become one, and then <gasps> also go back and listen. So yeah, you don't have to be a subscriber. We don't mean yes, fuck you, you do. We love you. Yes, Welcome you to do. No, 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 no. And give Sarah money. Do it now. Do it. Okay. Do it. Dear listener, if you're new to our podcast, hello, I'm Sarah, this is Dan, we talk about women's cycling, we get diverted along the way, and we swear a bit, and Dan may or may not be drinking, but he is Australian, it's yeah, apparently... Yeah, exactly, I'm, I'm not an alcoholic, I'm Australian. Anyway, um, and what we're here to do, if you're new, because I know I've got new followers on Twitter at the moment, if you've never listened to the podcast, we are here to explain... All about the world championships. Um, yeah, apologies. We uh, are self-indulgent. We do this because we love it. Um, <laughs> That's right. That's right. We've we've yet to um, hit the point in Sarah's funding via Patreon um, to to make us answerable to anyone. So if you'd like to rein us in and stop me saying fuck so much, uh, do feel free to contribute. But in the meantime, we get to do whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> so... <laughs> so- when we left you, dear listener, it was just after the Richmond World Championships individual time trials. We talked on the last podcast about the team time trial, the junior ITT, and the uh, women's, women's elite, elite ITT. Women's elite. This week, we are going to talk about the road races. We're going to talk about stuff we've seen around the road races. We're also going to talk a little bit about the road world, the new women's world tour. But we're going to do a special episode on the world tour and 2016 calendar and 2016 teams and what we know and all of that stuff. We're going to do that next week. Um, yeah, and it, there's also been some really great cyclocross. There's been some really great mountain bike. There's been some really great BMX. Um, we probably won't get onto all of that. But if you go to our blog, prowomenscycling.com, you'll be able to see videos and links um, to photos and results to all of this. And also other things, what we have seen around the net in the last week. That's actually the name of the entire section on our blog. I mean, it's a lengthy title, but it's memorable. Things what we have seen on the internet around this week. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you English good. <laughs> hey, now, I'm, I'm, I'm a native English speaker, man. You just speak Australian. You yeah. speak Australian. Yeah, no, it's called Strine, mate. Strine. Strine. Yeah. Strine. Yeah. Um, here's the most yeah. important word to, to know in strine. Go on. Fuck. <laughs> I like the accent on it. That yeah, was, yeah, that was can, special. Because well, it can be used in a lot of, lot of contexts. Like, what the fuck? Well, shall we start talking about cycling? Uh, probably. Uh, if anyone's still listening, I guess um, it's our last chance to keep them listening, isn't it? Maybe, uh, yes. maybe we'll start with the junior women's road race. 
Yes, now I do have to start with a rant, for which I apologise. Um, new listeners, old listener is is more than used to this. But I have to have a little bit of a rant. There is no video from any of the junior races this year, which is really sad. Um, as we said last year, it's super sad because these, these 17 and 16, 17 and 18 year olds who've been, you know, racing and it's their first chance literally their first chance to race against um against their peers and to see how they stand up and before the race i was asking i asked marina voss and i also asked yoling dora who's another former junior world champion do they have any advice for the juniors going out and they're both like yeah it's so you all you can do is race your own race like you can't think about it you can't worry about it you can't you just have to do what you always do and trust what you always do yep. because it's so you know you literally don't know and before the race people were going well who's the favorite it's like i've got no idea it's brilliant <laughs> Well, um, uh, well, yeah. I mean, and and that was true. Although I expect that for the next, um, say, four or so years, we're going to have a reasonably clear idea. So. I don't think so. No, no, oh, no. It's no, be- no, because so. I mean, because basically, we've seen some of the European ju- some of the European juniors racing each other um, in Europe because we have the European Junior Europe. U- European championships, the continental championships, are only for juniors and for under 23s in Europe. So we've seen them when, but you know, British cycling don't send. Well, that's, girls I was, was going to ask you a question. Does Britain actually have junior women cyclists? Because they, <gasps> they never go. Oh! You never see oh, them. You're so... Oh, is it a thing that if they leave the British Isles, they, they just disappear or something? Like they're cursed, no. they're cursed by a witch or, or something? No, 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 no because, because at um, the Junior Energy Water Tour, there were two British teams there. There was the, um, there was the uh, actually there must have been three, there must have been a Welsh cycling one as well. Um, there was a British cycling one and there was Giordana Triton, whose team is absolutely stacked full with amazing, all the, you know, not all of them, sorry, sorry juniors, but you know, tons of the junior talent comes from Giordana Triton. Um, yeah, it's, uh, they're, they're great. It's just British cycling just for some reason thinks that the chance to race against um you know people who are going to be your biggest rivals for the rest of your career and to get over big race nerves isn't a good thing they well, didn't even send you know, a junior team to they didn't send a junior men's team to this world championships it's it, it's clearly a decision i'll give them that um, yeah it's bad it's bad and wrong anyway so <laughs> but you know like we've got like the australians for example the the USA riders and and even more so all those riders from places like Colombia where it's so much harder to be a pro cyclist mm, mm. Um, yeah anyway so the race it very exciting so it's, okay well we kind of know who's you know uh, we kind of know about about riders like you know Sofia Bertazzolo who's this amazing young Italian star you know and we know about Agnesa Skalniak who was third um in the road race last year and in junior world race and, and was the European ITT champion and we know about some of these riders but but the rest of them are a mystery but we have seen a junior ITT and that was won by um American uh Chloe Digert with yep. another American Emma Watts in second and with Annalisa Hull in third place for Australia mm. so First time we've seen the road. Well, we haven't seen it. I mean, 
Yeah, it's. Uh, it, I mean, it's just it's that constant sore wound, isn't it? Like you just every every time you think you're over it, you start to talk about the race again. And you realize that you couldn't see a fucking thing, and it's 2015, and it really shouldn't be this goddamn hard. So no, but there was a there was a silver lining to the cloud, and the silver lining is how much technology and things like Twitter has changed, yeah, and phones and mobile phones, even in the last couple of years, because last year we had the full junior road race uh, shown live, yeah, the year before we didn't, and it was very, very hard to get information, there was like one person, Monique Hanley, out there tweeting about Mm -hmm. what updates in the road, this year we had the Tissot live timing update, so twice a lap, they'd put up the live timing, which was amazing, and we also have people out on the course tweeting their photos because it's just become so much easier to tweet a photo, yeah. even in two years. Yeah. And there's, and we saw this throughout all the races, like even the ones that were on TV. I kept my uh, live. I have a live for people who don't follow. I have a live a, a list that I update for every race with who's live tweeting from the race. Yeah. And I updated it with people who are roadside fans and stuff. And there's something incredibly charming about watching it. Were, you know through the eyes of fans so people who are on the you know the first half of the course is flat and untechnical and lots and lots of long power straights right the second half of the course becomes technical they go into shoko bottom and then they um ride a couple of couple of corners and then they go up this cobbled uh switchbacky um a hill up which is yep. called Libby Street then they have a bit of a rest and then they go up 23rd Street which is another straight up cobbled street then they have a bit of a rest and they go downhill and then they come back up Governor Street uh, have a bit of a rest and have some false flat to, um, bit, no Governor Street and then the false flat to the end yeah yeah, yeah. so all the fan, most of the fans are basically clustered around the start finish line and also on Libby Street and 23rd Street yeah 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 exactly I mean the the sort of um, logical places for fans to position themselves yeah. on the course. Absolutely. Yeah. But like seeing all the little, I mean, we saw the video through. So there's, um, uh, there's our friend Chris Cave, Landron, who has the most amazing mm. under 23 and juniors blog for men's cycling called Espoir Central. If you don't, if you're re- interested in anything at all about, um, you know, the future of men's cycling, hit over Espar Central because he's just fantastic. Um, so he was at the start finish line doing videos. And then there's a couple of other people doing videos from the from Libby, you know, moving between Libby Street and 23rd yeah, Street, yeah. which actually is quite an interesting way to watch a race, you know, yeah, like you yeah. can get so much more. I'd just like to say that I predicted that this would happen about three years ago. That, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, the yeah. consistent frustration of, of fans at being thwarted by race organisers in providing coverage would result in fans creating coverage of their own. So, mm. yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, so on the one hand, it was shit, but on the other hand, the silver lining was how much, you know, people's periscope. The funniest thing was um, Chloe Digert's mum's periscope, where she'd turn on the periscope and then forget that it was on, and you'd just be seeing the floor, you know, the sides, <laughs> her family talking about stuff, her family praying together. <laughs> so American. It was, yeah, I know, I know. And, and, and and it was sweet, really sweet and charming. Yeah, yeah. And then UCI, um, Yose Bain was putting up, was putting up, making sure there's periscope from this, you know, through the start and finish yeah. line. Yeah. So it's not, it it's the decision not to even have highlight videos from the UCI of the juniors is to me unconscious, unconscionable. I can't even yeah, say that word. Yeah. 
Well, that's the word that it sounded like you were shooting for, and and I yeah. like I I think it's a I think it was an absolutely a major mistake on the part of the UCI to not provide at the very least highlights coverage. Um, you know, it, it's worlds. It's it's the showcase event of the year for for <laughs> the UCI. It's it's just one of those things that and and particularly when. You know they're mandating, as they should. Um, you know, in a minimum standard of, of video coverage for world tour races and stuff. You know they should they should be adhering to this themselves, honestly. Yeah, and, and especially and, and it, for every other race, like literally every other race. So, but not the unless you're a junior. And Dan's worked in television, and I've made films for my degree. So uh, for my photography degree. So we both. So when people are going, oh, but it costs so much money. We both know that actually having someone standing on the finish line with a DSLR filming the coming in, um, yep. you know, the the, the, fin- the 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 finish, then showing the podium, then yep. showing the then having an interview with the winner and maybe ideally second and third place. We see this happen from people, amateur fans. Ashwin Cruders, for example, does this for races all the time. Yeah, yeah. Felix Mattis does this for races all the time. Well, um, Especially on a circuit course, honestly, on a on a circuit course, there really is no excuse because no. at at the very worst, you could just string together a bunch of GoPros on a on a wireless network and record them digitally and and well, create great highlights from that. Like it's it's it, honestly, it's nowhere near as hard as as people seem to. No, think. but but even but the bare minimum stuff takes less than an hour. Honestly, yeah. taking doing video, even standing at the finish line doing your interviews, la la la, it takes less than an hour to put that together in on. I mean, you know, my Mac comes with iMovie. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, racing! Mm. So they start off racing. Um, it's an interesting course, four laps for the junior women. And this was the first time we see how hard this course, and it was in the rain, and people were really worried that these poor riders would go down like nine <laughs> pins. And, and I was quite proud that they didn't. Do you know what I mean? Because, yeah. Oh, these junior girls are going to be carnage. They'll all be dead. You know, no. Well, to, but, to be uh, fair, if it was raining and we were in the Netherlands, for example, there's a good chance, you know, just because Dutch cobbles will leap out and, and tackle you and Dutch um, roads tend to have, like, uh, magical bits of furniture that just grow up out of the road for no reason and stuff. So add in rain, then I could see that possibly being a real risk. But when we're on American roads that are, you know, the, the roads <laughs> wider than my apartment building... Um, <laughs> It's... Dan has feelings about American roads, and very much he comes from Australia, well, where they're hard, right? They're hardly driving on little narrow lanes. Yeah, like well, compared to <laughs> compared to British roads, our roads are luxurious, but like American roads are the best. Like honestly, I love American roads to drive on. They're so good. Um, it's just amazing. But uh, but yeah, it's it's just all I'm saying is that there's a little bit more room to recover from a, a slight misalignment of wheels or whatever uh, on these roads. So yes. Yeah. Anyway, so um, by halfway through the race, there's a breakaway, and the breakaway. I mean, what I loved was um, Juliette Labou. I know it was one of the uh, Marion Marion Boras literally attacked in in the in the, in the start straight. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. You go, girl. So there's lots and lots of attacks and trying to get away. And halfway through the race, a break is formed. And the break has um, uh, Emma White, uh, Ju- uh, Ju- Juliette Labou from America, Juliette Labou from uh, France, uh, Agnieszka Agnes- 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 Skalniak from Poland, and Chloe Digert from America as well. And they're racing out together. And Chloe, go- I think, 
at the end of the first lap just attack solo and yeah. so you've got one rider two three and on behind them you've got the italians who started off as the favorites um for the race because they always do at worlds chasing like crazy people not being able to catch her chloe's just storming off into the distance um the three behind her are caught um chloe's like completely got this as the win uh, in the last lap the three behind her are caught and then emma white and agnes the scalniak attack again yeah uh-huh. Coming to the finish, um, coming coming to the finish, Chloe Diger wins with the most understated, <laughs> like most understated. Salute. Uh, yeah, like salute. She, she like touches the USA on her chest and that's it. Yeah. Um, Emma White second, one minute and 23 behind her. Um, Angus Skalniak, 128 behind her. And Yumi Kajahara of Japan bringing in the bunch, 141 behind them. Mm, mm. Um, with fifth Susanna Anderson from Norway, sixth Elisa Balsamo from Italy, seventh Grace Garner from Great Britain, eighth Yara Castelline Netherlands, nine Jess Pratt from Australia, and tenth Ida Janssen from Sweden. Which is a very interesting top ten because those are you know those are there's a really interesting mix there of you know Italy, Netherlands, top cycling nations, yeah. Australia. We always expect them to do well, but Yumi Kajahara, oh my god, that's I know. amazing! Isn't that awesome? It's really cool. Japanese cycling. Yeah. Honestly, it's just one of those ones that I I expect it to... I don't want to be overly hyperbolic, so I don't want to say, like, explode, but it's clear that it's it's growing and ascending in, in, you know, its its production of of really great riders. Yeah, I mean, Japanese cycling, they have, for example, the Kieran riding. It's the home of Kieran riding, Mm. um, which is one of the the Olympic events on the track. But you don't, it generally hasn't crossed across into other riders coming through to like the World Cups. But Kajahara has got, had two, um, two medals from the, uh, track junior track world championships and to see her coming forth especially and this is why junior worlds is so exciting and it's it's you know really I mean Susanna Anderson in fifth that's great yeah. even a young Norwegian rider she's she's did really well at the junior energy water it's just yeah very interesting that it wasn't completely crushed by the Italians and then Dutch because that's what you always expect yeah, from juniors yeah. but yeah but yeah, I mean, USA one two, fascinating. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one two, and um, the same finish that they got in the the time trial earlier in the week as well, which yeah, is and, really interesting. And compli- but really weird too, because Chloe Digert's pretty much come out of nowhere. She's had an injury that she she starts off as a basketball player. Yeah. She's had. She's been carrying injuries, so that's why you yeah. haven't seen. So I've seen Emma White's name around the place because she's also yeah, a cyclocross yeah. rider. Exactly, but Chloe, so, yeah. as you say, I mean, she's from Indiana, which is like a famous basketball state. Um, it, from memory, actually, I think it was the state where basketball was literally invented. Um, you know, so she had, um, what was it, like shoulder and ACL injuries or something and, and couldn't play. And and so her father and brother introduced her to riding, um, which is kind of, kind of nuts. And so she's only been riding since, what, she was about 15 or something. So, yeah, yeah, and yeah. there's a there's a really there was a really funny description of her. She suffered her shoulder injury from her bruising approach on the course. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, clearly, she's she's taken that same approach to the bike. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's like, I think she's she's something like as old as you can possibly be while still being a junior. She's like, you know, she's she's like she's like she's like the oldest junior. I think she's the oldest junior out there. Um. 
I like the video interview with her. Sorry, just before you talk about that, my my favorite quote, sorry, and on that point about her, you know, being just as bruising on the bike is is the quote from um from White after the after the race where she's talking about her teammate Chloe and is like, she made me suffer. (laughs) 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 She's um She's she's uh she she's um Ina Yoko Teutenberg who was a former junior world champ herself and absolutely the queen of sprinting and absolutely the patron of the peloton before she had her horrible um head injury a couple of years ago and had to retire. Um Ina Yoko Teutenberg's the coach one of the coaches for the USA national team. And um there's a video interview afterwards with Chloe saying, uh um, yeah, I, I was a bit scared. Of what I, of what Ina would say to me afterwards because I went too early. <laughs> so I got her in the pits and was like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." <laughs> I think I think even Ina forgives if you win by that much of a margin, though, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was a very interesting article by Bonnie Ford on ESPN about the American juniors because it's like on the one hand you're thinking, "Wow, yeah, you know, is American juniors the future of cycling?" And it's talking about how I mean, Chloe in her interview, post race interview, is talking about no, she's she's not planning to go to Europe. She's going to stay at home with her fiance, and she's, um, you know, gonna gonna go. To, she's got a scholarship to Marion University, which yeah. is a, a smaller. University, which has a cycling cycling scholarships, and she's not planning to go to Europe to Europe unless she sent them. Just sent there, and there's a and in this ESPN article, it's basically talking about how yeah, it's great that Chloe and Emma did so well, but they did so well by kind of random chance, by accidentally, (laughs) by accident. Yeah, like they accidentally found the right coaches and accidentally found the right people. And there's also this interesting quote at the bottom from Ina Yoko Teutenberg talking about, yeah, if they want to race well, they're going to have to go to Europe. And if they want to go to uni as well, why can't they study abroad? Like, that was... Did you read that? That yeah, was interesting. Yeah. And, and, well, also, I, I found it really interesting contrasting that then in the same article with quotes from Evelyn Stevens, who, you know, quite famously came to the sport in her later years um, after she started to establish a, a successful career on Wall Street. And so she's saying, you know, that, that she sort of has this bias that you can be successful later. And she thinks that taking a break between junior and elite levels isn't, necessarily a bad thing but it does pose a really interesting thing and i think also adding in then that like in some of the really big sports in the u.s um like you know nfl and nba and um baseball and stuff like that um it's not like an absolute rule but there's like a very strong tradition of athletes going to college before they enter the professional ranks which is very different to the way as you say cycling tends to work generally now um but it's it's particularly interesting from a um i guess uh, from a from a gender viewpoint in the sense that you know a lot of the times you know as we well know the the money um for women's cycling is is much tighter um and there's much less stability in terms of, of pursuing cycling as a career as a woman so there is a much stronger emphasis in the women's women's peloton in general um, of studying, uh, a lot of writers, as you say, do it while they're in Europe and, and stuff. So it's, uh, yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, the difference between the NFL and the NBA, though, of course, is that there's a massive, massive structure where they're still getting paid to take part in sport at the top level. 
you know, like like they, you know, it's a bit like I mean, it's a bit like the under twenty threes in 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 Europe. You can be an under men, you can be an under twenty three yeah. man, and you're still racing Paris Roubaix. But you can't be an under twenty. You can't be an under twenty three woman in the states. Exactly. Exactly. Going to university and race at the top level. It's not equivalent. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, and, and, it's and that Evie, gender thing, isn't it? Absolutely. That, and that... with no, but with but, and also with all respect to Evie, Evie's pretty extraordinary and pretty unique. You know, the reason that she gets so much media coverage, the reason we talk about her amazing, she was working as a financier on Wall Street, having gone to Dartmouth University. I mean, those things make her very unusual in the first place do you know what I mean like yeah. like it's not like she's working for um I don't know she's working for a big company somewhere she's working as a financier on Wall Street having gone to Dartmouth Dartmouth Uni she happened to find out she was incredibly good at bike riding she came you know started straight away she instantly got snapped up by uh by Christy Christy Scrimgeour's team who yeah. helped her race both in Europe and in and in the USA and she was almost at the top you know she was having great results straight away now the majority of women aren't going to be able to do that do you know what I mean you're not oh, yeah, going to be able to do that absolutely and, and, and she says sorry yep and she, says, and she says in the piece the other thing she says in the piece is is the importance of bike handling you know about getting yeah, the bike handling yeah. you know, the problem with coming late is you is you don't have good bike handling yeah. you don't have the experience of of racing in the peloton Absolutely. and so if we're talking about riders who are only going to be in the states and i'm sorry americans and i feel the same about australians it's not just about america it's the same about aussies it's the same about colombians it's the same about kiwis it's the same about brits because you know um you're just not going to be able to learn you're never going to be able you i don't think that you can be a top road rider and not race in the top races yeah, but but that's I, I think that's part of what makes the whole thing interesting is because you know there there is this kind of um, really interesting set of of arcs of development you know because there's the there's the development of talent pools there's the development of individual riders there's the development of national cycling scenes and federations and then there's the development of the sport as a whole and and i think all of these things sort of start to layer in and and that's part of what i find really interesting because because equally we've spent time talking about then things like the australian talent identification program which is quite good at picking up juniors and and carrying them through but then isn't always necessarily good at um at well uh, that's possibly not the right way to say it but you know there, there are there are several stories and several very good Australian writers that we we reference regularly who who have um, gone to Europe outside of that system, and so you know I, I think that's one of the things too is that no program's ever really going to be complete or capture no. everyone you know no and this and this is the bottom line thing about this this ESPN article is that the USA program is terrible <laughs> at doing that that like and the other thing I think is to remember is that actually maybe Chloe Diger maybe you know that they're both. Chloe Diger and Emma White are both um, coached partly by uh, Chris Armstrong. Chris yeah. Armstrong's been involved in both their careers. Uh, the Americans hadn't won a medal at Road, at road Worlds in over um, in over thirty in over thirty years. Yeah, right. maybe thirty yep. years or do you mean twenty years? Uh, maybe twenty. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe in over it'll twenty years. Anyway, it's been a while. However, they've been one of the top time trialing nations. Yeah. um, And actually, you don't need to come to Europe and race races to do well in the ITT. You can just stay at home, wherever you are in the world, race your bike, you know, ride your bike, train, 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 train for the ITT and win ITTs. So it could be that, you know, as one of my friends, Ben Atkins, said that maybe in America, 
it, from Cycling Australia, cycling is seen as an Olympic sport. Yep, yep. You don't need to worry about road races. You can just, you know, riders don't have to race. They can just ride, do well on the ITTs, win Olympic and world medals. I mean, you know... <laughs> Well, uh, I mean, honestly, and, and, you know, that's part of the funding structure that, that governs, um, you know, that part of the sport. And, and absolutely, that's that's definitely a thing. I mean, the, the other thing is also, as I sort of hinted at before, is that the the U.S. Um, domestic road scene is, you know, obviously working quite hard to to grow a bunch of races and stuff and i'm not saying it's near comparable yet but it's it's foreseeable that at some point in the future it could have a race program that that is big enough and and rivals a european program possibly yeah but if the world championships isn't going to be in in places with enormous great big roads because this was the thing that was fascinating about all the road world championships was the roads being so wide played such and it made such an impact on the racing didn't it yeah yeah absolutely absolutely but anyway my, my point being more that you know we could actually see um i guess um parallel styles of of the sport begin to evolve is kind of what i was getting at but yeah yeah oh kind of like right like 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 we see different styles of yeah but yeah. then you know we see different styles of soccer all around the world and then in the world championships yeah, some exactly. styles are better than others well yeah yeah <laughs> but 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 the point is that all of these things go through cycles of their own and, and change over time that's that's kind of you know that's that's what i mean when i say i find the whole thing really really interesting because you know a lot of it comes down to which particular length of timeline you're looking at, I think, as to as to what, what might happen. But anyway, it, it, it's just interesting, and particularly if you're an American cycling fan, I'd encourage you to read the article um, and have a serious think about, you know, how that relates to the, the scene as you know it back home because it, I think it is a really interesting, you know, question around, um, you know, because we know they've got Title IX for colleges and stuff there, so there is a much stronger college sort of program, but how does that influence the career paths for, for women in the sport, American women? So Yeah. Anyway, it's, anyway. Oh, we diverted. Um, so, then ah, so, we had... so unlike us. And, and we've only discussed the, the junior women's race. So. <laughs> we knew this was going to happen. And then we came to the elite women's race. And this was going to be fascinating. We knew it was going to be fascinating. We knew that, I mean, the course was really interesting because it was harder than I think people had thought it was going to be. Because I think people just thought it was going to be a sprinter's course. Yeah. But at the same time, it wasn't anywhere near like a classic do you know what i mean those climbs weren't tough yeah, it climbs was, it wasn't a brutal you know like it wasn't it wasn't um what's the right way to say it the course had the ability over the entire distance to sort of sap the strength of the peloton and stuff if it was ridden in an attempt to do that but the, the key difference is, as you say, like with, with some of the classics races, is the course will just do that to you anyway. Um, and so yeah. that's the thing. This, this is a course that it provided interesting opportunities to, to riders and to teams, but they really did have to seize them from pretty early on if they wanted to, to sort of attack it that way. Yeah, yeah. And it was very, very hard to get away. Mm. I mean, I really, really enjoyed seeing some of the, you know, some of the riders trying some of the attempts. Um, there's Svetlana Vasilieva from uh, Russia was one of the riders who, who had, had an, attempt, uh, an attack attempt. And again, Worlds is really fascinating. You know, the Russian cycling has just disappeared for women. They used to be 
uh, lots and lots and lots of them around at the top and it's just vanished and I think part of it might be um, Olga Zabalinskaya who won bronze in the ITT and Road World Championships um, had a doping positive a couple of years ago and then Russ Fellow, the Russian cycling team has uh has gone for women so there's kind of there's kind of so you you get these riders who either you have to race for a, a, an, a you know an international team like yep. uh, tatiana Antichina does with ali cipollini and you also have to have um you know or, or the russian national team takes riders to races so you have like vasilieva who's got some good races in good results in like small races smaller races like Ladesh. sure and um yeah and yeah. So, but you know, so to see her going out there and attacking, you're like, yeah, this is great. Yeah. yeah. So yes, but they didn't get none of the brakes got away. Uh, Malgo Zata Jasinska was trying. Had uh, the Polish rider was trying a couple of things, and we ended up um, with a uh, in 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 the pen- penultimate lap out of eight, big break disappeared um and yeah. it was aussie rach nalen and lauren kitchen uh with, with emilia farline for sweden valentina scandalara for italy romy casper for germany and malgosato jasinska of poland again and amy peters netherlands and audrey cordon of france and corin rivera of the usa now really interesting break yeah because yeah. there's no big favorites there yeah, no um, big favourites, also... but also collectively a group that, that theoretically, you know, with the right circumstances, could be quite dangerous to the peloton behind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and Rach now, the Aussies have done tons of attack. Everyone had done tons of attacking earlier. You just yeah. have to assume that we've had all the attack, you know, all the usual attacks and, and catches and blah, 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 all, all have happened earlier, yeah? And... Uh, Rach Nalens had a silver medal at Worlds before in 2012, where she was by no means the best rider in her group, but just no. rode so cleverly, refusing to do any work, um, as you know, and just riding clever. Yeah, you know, right, yeah. right, 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 you know, right, riding clever. So you know, it, she was dangerous. Um, Valle Scandalara has got a really good sprint on her, and is so lovely and clever. Uh, Romy Casper's a road, road captain. Amy Peters is an absolutely fantastic young rider who's got. Uh, World Cup podiums, very fast sprint. Yeah. Audrey Cordon's great, and then Corinne Rivera's got a very fast sprint on her. Yeah, yeah. and I was really, really expecting that to go. <laughs> I know, I know. And to be perfectly honest, I would have been uh, absolutely thrilled if if it had, because it would have been such a not an upset victory, but it's just you know it's it it just would have been a majorly different script to the one I was expecting. So oh, yeah. God, if Valentina Scandalara had won, I would still be crying now. Uh, yeah, I, I was gonna say a... I don't think we'd be up to cast until like probably the weekend because you'd just still be like I'm so happy for her. Yeah. So they stayed out quite a while. They stayed out pretty much for a full lap. Um, you know, they got up to about a minute. And uh, Jasinska had tried um, on the on the on the you know coming on the lap together. But there's a really interesting interview afterwards. Anna van der Breggen saying that yeah, um, Amy Peters told us she wasn't happy. And people are going, well, how did she manage to tell you? You know, you're not the radios. You know, no radios like that. And she's like, oh well, we were riding up and down on the other side of the you know the, the road. The racers were going around on the other side of the road, and she made it very clear this wasn't the break for her. (laughs) I'm sorry, that's just. Oh, uh, I mean, you've got to. I, I, I love a good euphemism. So I just. 
<laughs> she made it very clear. <laughs> and I want to know what that was. I want to know where that was. <laughs> oh, yes. oh, yeah. So the Dutch team got on the front and started chasing it down. But like they'd... um. They're coming in, and and so when you had riders in the break not working, um, Audrey Cordon and Valle Scandalara, so Justin Skirt attacked and then was chased down by Scandalara, and then at 6.5k to go, Cordon and Scandalara are like, fuck this, we're going to go for our time to win. Yeah. But they'd kind of... Um, uh, and and they got and they got up like Libby Hill for the final time together, and then the peloton's just like <laughs> eats up the break, and they're like no no we no no we're gonna go we're gonna go we're gonna go and when I say peloton I mean about you know there's about thirty forty riders in yeah, and then yeah. Scandler and Cordon no no we're gonna stay chase me more. And this was really, really fascinating because in that break, you had all the big nations, but you didn't have the nations of the solo riders, Lizzie Armitstead from Great Britain, who had a young, I think the euphemism is it's a young team. <laughs> it's a young developmental team. Yeah. Um, and you didn't have Emma Johansson. And so you're like, wow, you know, if Lizzie wants to win this, if Emma wants to win this, they're going to have to chase that break down by themselves. Yeah. But luckily, because because Anna, because, because, um, Amy, Amy because Amy had, yeah. yeah and you're like shit that's so interesting like that's just that's just you've literally put two of the most dangerous riders yeah back yeah. into the game exactly because like literally you know just before that had happened you'd have been sitting there going oh the dutch are doing what they always do so well which is to have someone sit up in the in the group who who could just win the whole thing while the rest of the team sniggers behind their hands as every other team has to chase it down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and no, this time it was no. the Dutch. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was... It I was, mean, I'm, I, I'm, I don't understand who, why Amy Peters didn't think she could win on that. But anyway, so they end up, like, with, you know, we're in the final 10K and Scandalara and... and and Cordona attacking and the Peloton's chasing and there's Lizzie Armistead back on the front grinning because on the hill, brilliant. So they kind of catch the, uh, they catch those last two. And then on the last climb, Governor Street, Lizzie Armistead just attacks. And we've seen her do this so much, so many times. She yeah. has been the top, the, the top one day racer in the world this year. Yeah. 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 And well, just, and, and just amazing. It's it's something that I noticed and commented on while the race was going as well is that it, we saw her do almost exactly the same thing in the Philadelphia Classic, um, and and it is one of those things that I think you know as we've commented before um, the significant difference between the roads like the the actual size of the roads uh, between the US and Europe does change the way races work and. Um, yeah. And, and I think it's one of those things that, you know, um, those races, the, the races in America, have certainly seemed to lend themselves to a canny rider who, who can sort of um, stay semi-anonymous as long as they're paying attention for quite a while and, um, and then mm. launch these sort of attacks. Yeah, so Lizzie up Governor Street, the final thing, pushing it, pushing up Governor Street first, like really in that kind of move of I am not afraid to to lose this race I'm going to try and win it but I'm not afraid to lose it either which is a really daring move and she kind mm. of comes around that final corner into this long long flat um false flat and they've got nine riders left at the top I mean so Governor Street it's not very big but you know the chasers cracked riders the, the the attacks cracked riders they come to the top of nine of Governor Street and they've got nine riders in there and that's Lizzie Armitstead 
Anna van der Breger, who won the Women's Giro. She won the course by, by Le Tour de France. She won Flesh Wallon. She won Omni Pet Noise Blad. If Lizzie is the best day racer this year, Anna van der Breger is the best all-round rider by you know, best all-rounder yeah. this year of 2015. Um, who else you got in that gap? You've got um, Alina Amielusic from Belarus, who's just uh, this amazing, fantastic rider, normally is seen with Velocio Sram. Paulina Frampravo, last year's yeah, world champion, champion. This, yep. this year's mountain bike and cyclocross champion. Yeah. Emma, Johan- Emma Johansson, who's, who's probably got four or five world's medals and Olympics medals in her draw, but never the gold. Mm. Um, Elisa Longo-Borghini, who, what, who won Flanders this year. Yeah, yeah. And who's had a bronze medal in 2012. Um, Kasia Uadoma, European junior under-23 champion. Um, Megan Guarnier, who yeah, won Stradi Bianchi this year mm-hmm. and a stage of the Giro and European champion. So, you know, she knows how to ride Giro race, uh, USA, sorry, USA US champion. champion. Yeah. And finally, Yolanda Neff, who is a mountain bike rider. This is the fascinating thing. Yolanda Neff, who um, last year was the under-23 mountain bike world champ this year and and won the mountain bike cross-country world cup series and so many races this year, is Pauline Fran-Provost's biggest rival on the mountain bike, coming over to fight Pauline on Pauline's <laughs> well one of them on the road oh my god you know everyone talks about how amazing Pauline is for cross disciplining in but we yeah. have to remember that Yolanda Neff is almost as good yeah yeah oh, and, and may well may well be as good given another season to to you know get that yeah point. yeah because she's 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 a year younger than Pauline yeah so you've got these nine riders coming into this false flats long finish and Van der Breggen starts her sprint first. And Armitstead just comes past her, shoots across the line, wins. Her first road world championship to go with her track world champs, to go with yeah. her Olympic silver medal, to go with her Commonwealth gold, to go with her feeling that she always comes away second, completely yeah. thrown out of the water right now. Yeah, oh. yeah. Absolutely, and and it was really summed up by by her celebration um, across the line, and that was something that um, um, you know someone else that you've interviewed just recently, actually, Mariah DeVries wrote about quite nicely um, after, yeah. after the race. Yeah, yeah, Mariah wrote about it. We talked about it when I interviewed her this week about. Lizzie crossing the line like a girl. She crossed the line. She had her hand over her mouth, completely not knowing. Uh, not being able to believe it, just so much emotion. And Marine was saying that this is like, you know, women don't have to pretend to be men in cycling anymore. You know, we can be, we can be women and win and be, you know, and be, and be fantastic. And, you know, it's a very, it's a very, you know, every rider crosses, and there's nothing wrong with crossing a line with your arms in the air. It's traditional. I mean, there is also a reason why Lizzie wouldn't, and that's after her huge crash energy <laughs> at every women's tour, where yes. she took both hands off the bars and yes, uh, spun out of control it, and, and had a and, hideous crash. And, and it kind of all went sideways, literally, rather literally. than metaphorically. Yeah. So, yes. Very big drama. <laughs> there was a big drama on Twitter. Oh, my God, there was an old man in the road that she crashed, but the person she crashed into was the boss of Sweet Spot, who's right. been running um, bike races for years and years and years, Mick Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess if you're going to crash into anyone, it might as well be the organiser. Um, but, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I think so- it's a really interesting, um, you know, comparison and contrast that Marine. Um, drew there uh, about how it is such more of a, a kind of 
masculine way to celebrate, you know, fists clenched, you know, hands in the air, yeah, I'm the champion kind of thing. Whereas there's this, this, you know, more feminine sort of thing of, of you know, disbelief at, at your victory and, and sort of uh, a more internalised and muted kind of thing, which is well, I think, I think yeah. I mean, it might not even be about more masculine or feminine. It might be more about being able to be yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. like being able to be yourself. Yeah, mate, and yeah. this yeah, is... Yeah. And show her emotions on the line, you know, that, that her emotions were... She'd raced so hard, and I was so worried about her because... You know, Lizzie going into this race, she clearly could win. Every rider said that she was the favourite, but she did not have a strong team behind her at all. And I'm, you know, I, I've got lots and lots of respect for the riders in her team, but it's not the same as riding with Ellen Van Dyke and Chantal Blanc yeah. and Lucinda Brandt and and yeah, and all the rest. It's not, you like, know. it's not like looking at the Dutch who could probably field two teams full of people who might win. You know, yeah, yeah, or the or the Italians. She, you know, so a rider like. Lizzie or like Emma Johansson comes in as a bit of an under does come in as a bit of an underdog into worlds yeah, because they yeah. don't have the, they don't you know if they want to chase something down she is so lucky the Dutch basically gave it to her like you yeah, know in a lot of ways that, that 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 decision to chase as you say was was just like wow that that really did change the whole thing didn't it so, yeah I mean it's yeah. not to say but yeah I mean amazing for her it just adds yeah it adds something yeah. And I mean, and I have never understood why people talk about Lizzie as she has this bridesmaid tag, and she always says it herself that oh, you know, I always come second. And you're like, how do you even think that, Lizzie? Yeah. You've got three World Cup wins this year, and you've got you know, you've yeah. won the World Cup overall series for the second year in a row. Like, yeah. only one. Like, but but then in her defence, I can understand. To be perfectly honest, I can understand how that idea might sort of stick in the back of her mind when. You know, as we alluded to at the top of the show, the in the post-race interview, she's being asked questions by reporters like, oh, did you only win because Mariana Voss wasn't here? Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and, uh, and, like, that's just so... I mean, she handled it so, so well. So well. Well, she did handle it in a typical... Lizzie is not known for being... Um, shy or retiring um when giving her opinion but she wasn't rude about it either i mean it wasn't like she did tell him to go away to do some research yeah but like if it had been me i'd have been who the fuck do you think you are you fucking can't ask me bullshit questions like that learn something about the fucking sport and come back when you're ready you know i mean she was was much better than that so yeah Yeah. there's a video on our site prowomenscycling.com where you can see it because lovely 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 felix mattis who was there on holiday um uh, he's he's a fantastic German cycling reporter. You should all follow him. He's Felix Mattis on Twitter. Um, videoed this, and he also had a lot of post race interviews, um, video interviews, including pretty much the only one with Chloe Digert after she won the junior junior road race. So follow Felix. He's fantastic. Yeah, mm. he's great. Um, it's a little bit disappointing to me that he interviews the Germans in German. Oh my god! But that's <laughs> just my um, that's just my parochial English colonialism <laughs> speaking. That's that's your monolingualism coming back to bite you. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I think it's funny that people complain about that sort of thing. <laughs> isn't it though? Isn't it though? How dare you speak your own language with your writers who's in their own language? I, oh, I know. How dare anyone else in the world use their first language? That's just such bullshit. <laughs> awesome. Oh. Oh, so yeah, so um, yeah, just 
really interesting race and yeah i i apologize lizzie for thinking that you might have been in trouble out there because clearly you had no ah. trouble at all no, it was, it was but yeah and, and let me put it this way um given the time zones for me the race started at like 3 a.m and it finished at just after 6 30 a.m and i have zero regrets about staying up literally all night to watch it so that's how good a race it was yeah, um, Anna van der Breger, I love Anna van der Breger. She was, um, she's interviewed afterwards. Um, she came away from Worlds with a bronze in the TTT, silver in the ITT, silver in the road race. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's gutting. It's not gold. I mean, it's great that it's silver. My team are wonderful, but it's gutting. It's not gold. And I love that in a rider. I really, really do. I love oh, how, a rider who's like. How unlike a Dutch rider, to be matter of fact. <laughs> And in third place, Megan Guarnier, uh, first American right woman to win a world, win a win a medal in the road, road race for twenty one years. Um, she was just. There's so many nice interviews with her. There's like tons of interviews of her just being. Char she's charming. She just. That's the word for her. There's a t and there's a video with her and Emma White talking about being Team USA ambassadors, talking about what it's like to race on Richmond's home soil, and they're just charm. She's charming. It's yeah. just. Yeah, you just, I can't help but be happy for Megan every time she races. And actually, on, um, that, on that point, I, just quickly, I do want to say, Richmond, you know, uh, did a great job, I think. I, I really enjoyed this world, so I thought it was really good. Yeah, and all the riders, I did some Q&As with riders beforehand, and they were just saying how nice everyone was, how wonderful everyone yeah. was. But we got linked, I got linked from that, from the Richmond Reddit board, <laughs> where people were going, where people were talking, you know, and, and Valley Scandalara said, oh, yeah, no, no one's just, you know, in Florence, everyone was complaining about the disruption to traffic. I was really embarrassed, but here they're lovely. And the Richmond board were like, yeah, they haven't been reading our Reddit board where everyone's just complaining about traffic. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, that doesn't matter as long as as long as everyone thinks they're welcome. <laughs> yeah. so, there was someone kind of complaining about. I, I ordered a pizza and it took two hours to get here, and everyone else on the Reddit board was just like, "What did you think you were doing?" <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen cyclists eat? <laughs> no, no. no it, was, it was more the whole kind of, um, you know, well, duh, just. You know what? Anyway, so results: first Lizzie Armitstead, second Anna van der Breggen, third Megan Guarnier, fourth Lisa Longo Bugini, fifth Emma Johansson, sixth Pauline Frampreveau, who actually had the flu afterwards. You know, she's she's not feeling her best. Seventh Kashin Uadoma, eighth Lina Amulusik, ninth Yolanda Neff, tenth bringing up the pack Ellen Van Dyke. Um, yeah. uh, Ellen Van Dyke nine seconds ahead, bringing up a group of um, of seven. And Ellen had said that she was going to take her frustrations with the road with the. ITT, where she had a mechanical house on the road and yeah that was great <laughs> so yeah um, interesting top german finisher because the germans were very very active in the early parts of the race was trixie warwick in 12th yeah um top australian and they were very 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 active indeed like i think pretty much everyone except for cromwell had attacked at some point um cromwell was 17th yeah yeah so yeah um that was interesting yeah yeah look I, particularly when it comes to Worlds, I think the uh, Australian chances, and, and I guess actually leading into next year in Rio, you know, for the Olympics, it's a, a road race, it's, it's a similar sort of thing. Um, you know, Australia's kind of um, in, in a different way. Like, there's a lot of riders with, with quite a bit of experience, um, you know, so compared to, to the British team, you know, for Worlds. But, but it's the same sort of thing in the sense that um, you've got to be very very flexible from the team's point of view and sort of adapt to how the race is is 
unfolding because as a team, again, you don't have that same depth or strength as like the Dutch. No, or the I Italians disagree. Or no? Okay. Uh, no, Lay it I, on me. Okay. Lay it on me. They're not, they're not, the Australians are not as strong as the Dutch and the Italians, but then the That's... Dutch and the Italians are the two uber strong. Dutch, so the biggest teams in the world are Dutch, Italians, USA. Yeah. But the Australians here had one of the top teams out there yeah they had one of they had one of the biggest teams one of the strongest teams yeah, one of the most experienced but, but my teams. point is they're they not have... going to be able to control the race in the same way those other teams could so nah, they, they nah, have nah, nah. no one team can control the race even the dutch and the italians can't control the race yeah what they can do is they can attack a lot the thing is is you have to get that balance between attacking a lot and being able to be there at the finish yeah and the Australians had great, 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 great attacking. Yeah. But but that's always been the Australian downfall is having someone there at the finish. And they do, and they, you know, they do have really good riders, and it's not. I mean, you know, even the year even the year even the year you know 2012 when Rachel Nayland got silver, that wasn't because we had someone there at the finish. It was because she got in the right break, and then, as you said earlier, she played it really smart. You know, and, and and that's kind of my point, is that the, the Australians, you know, they've got experienced riders, they've got strong riders, but, you know, my read on it is that the, the thing that they haven't yet got the hang of is that, you know, balance of, of being able to ensure that they've got the right legs at the end. But then you could say that about the Germans, you know what I mean? I mean, they're, they're really, they're the still... Yeah, they're they're still the I'm not having so I'm not having the Aussies. I I just don't think you can put the Aussies in the same boat as, for example, the Swedes or the Brits, where you know where they where it's almost the opposite well, thing, yeah, isn't no, it? The Aussies start off with a super fair, strong team. Right, the Aussies do get sent to more European championships than Brits do, so that's that's a fair point. No, 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 but the Aussies, the Aussies have. I think they almost had the opposite. They had the opposite thing there, where the Aussies have a really, really, really good strong team. Whereas, you know, the Swedes and the Brits have pretty much solo... I mean, I know Amelia Fourline was in the last break and that was fantastic for her, but, the, you know, the, the, the Swedes and the Brits have pretty much usually one, you know, one rider, pretty much riding solo in the end part, in the, in the, in the end part of the race. So they're the opposite. They're almost on the opposite sides where the Aussies have got the, the depth and the strength, but they just... They're not... They just... You know, I mean, they, you know, like you say, uh, Rach Nalen won that medal a couple of years ago. They're, you know, yeah, but it's it's yeah. That, I think I think we're generally agreeing because I mean, basically, what we're saying is that that Australia needs finishes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this and this course, this course wasn't. It needed to be tougher for Tiff Cromwell. If those yeah. two, I think, that if 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 rather than having the Libby Hill relax, Governor Street relax, down and up, you know. Thing. Yeah. I think if if it had been you know if there was a way to kind of get the hill that was both Libby Hill plus plus Twenty Third Street into one ascent, I think Tiff Cromwell would have had a much better chance. You know what I would absolutely love to see in a future theoretical American worlds would be for it to be in North Carolina um, on the Blue Ridge Parkway and feature Mount Mitchell because that is a fuck off good climb and that would be some very interesting racing. Well, we're not going to America for a while now. Mm. We are going but, to you know, USA, USA Cycling are, are big fans of the show. They listen all the time. They don't call in very often, but they are listening. So, you know, keep that in mind for next time your opportunity comes up from me to you. Thanks, USA Cycling. <laughs> um, 
Um, what was I going to say? So uh, yeah, I think world... Qatar, which is going to be super interesting because you know it, it's it's like Dutch racing but in a million degrees. So yeah, we 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 the women the women race in Qatar quite a lot. They, it's one of the most. It's the first. It's the season opener really for the UCI peloton, and it's generally and it's always really it's a really interesting thing because it's a it's like course uh, it, it's race over course if you know what i mean like like the riding style but the races i oh Qatar, we'll come on to that later on in the season next year but it's going to be if you want to see i uh, get an idea of how the win race Qatar, albeit on shorter distances than the world is um then we've got on my blog pro com. if you clicking Qatar, you'll be able to find the videos of the races of the way they race it yeah Clue, attack like lunatics, use the wind. I mean, if it's a not windy Qatar, Qatar world, it's going to be the most boring race ever. But True. so what we have to do is hope for the for, for, for wind. It's going, to be, it's going to be completely flat. The wind devastates the peloton. It is fantastic to watch. And, and that's the In, thing. It's realistically, that it will be windy and there will be, yeah, nuts. It, it, yeah. yeah. Um, other things I saw this week about Worlds, I was really interested in the stuff about Linda Willemson's ITT bike. Yeah, I mean, I I get what you mean, but I'm also sort of like, oh, can we just get the fuck over it? Like, you know, it, it's Worlds ITT. She rode a Federation bike because it fit better. I mean... Well, she didn't ride a Federation bike. So basically, Linda Willemson rides for United Healthcare, who ride on Willia. And I had seen the pictures of her beautiful all-black bike with no no words on it, no nothing, um, with to go with her all-black kit and thought, that's a fucking sexy bike. That's a sexy kit. You know how the, news, the Kiwis always look good in whatever sport they're playing with, their kind of all-black kit. Um, beautiful. Um, but it turns out it was um, unbranded because she was riding a Trek, which apparently her team are very, very, very angry about. And, uh... Yeah, but I thought I sorry I I thought I'd read somewhere that it was a federation bike. Um, uh, but I mean, even so, leaving that aside, like uh, the trek, it fit her properly. And if there is one cycling discipline where bike fit matters more than, and it always matters. Don't get me wrong, bike fit matters in every cycling discipline. But where it matters more than others is definitely in ITT. And we're not talking by a small margin. The smallest willier is two centimetres bigger than the trek that she rode. And Linda's not a big woman. Like, she... Yeah, fuck it. I mean, honestly, my view of it is, basically, Willia didn't have a bike that, that could do the job. She was riding for her federation, not for her trade team. I personally think her obligation to, to ride, you know, the trade team bike is, is questionable. So, yeah. That's my uh, and you know I I fully admit that the law, letter of the law and her contract may disagree with me. <laughs> that's that's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah. They so said the smallest wheelchair is two centimeters higher in the head tube than their trek, and so that yeah, and it's really really fascinating because some people are like because you know her team have said oh you know we could sack her we could we could find we're going to find her. But cool. The other, be, on the be other the team, hand, be the team that's known the world round for sacking your your rider for winning the world championship. <laughs> yeah, but the other, but the other, um, but the other, like the other, uh, the other thing that's interesting about it is it is as we say she was racing. She was racing with a federation. I mean, it, it yeah. could be you know it's it's it's. I mean, and she won. 
you know, yeah, for yeah. five years, oh. for five years, she was on the podium without winning. And, and this also, time she won. Also, on the other side of it, then, like, if Willia are actually concerned about, you know, sponsorship, advertising opportunities or whatever, I know a fucking guy. We can Photoshop a Willia into it for you. Like, like well, just just email me for a small sum. I'll sort that out. Most people won't be able to tell the difference. It's no big deal. Well, this... This is one of the things in Laura Wiselow's opinion piece on, on Cycling News. She was saying she didn't actually understand why they didn't just paint up her trek with Wheelia. But apparently, I mean, Linda is, Linda Phillipson, she's a very shy rider. She's not the type of, I don't think, she, I think she, I don't think she'd like that contra, that, that confrontation. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. And actually, well, it's just... you know, but good on her for sticking to her guns, you know, to, to make sure she had the right equipment for her ride. But yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's it's it, it is just one of those, and and also let's not pretend that this is the first time or the only time this has ever happened. You know, in in men's racing, it's been quite common for on and off over the years for um, elite individual riders to get exceptions to team contracts for shoes or pedals or fucking you know Tom Boonen being able to demand a custom bike from Specialized that suited him. You know, because he's Tom fucking Boonen. You know, um, or or even uh, who was it the that that um, Laura mentions in her article, um, um, Veronk, uh, you know, rode light speeds while his team was on Peugeot. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was but that was bef- that was before everyone knew everything about stuff. Yeah, wasn't yeah. It? But, but my point is, it's not like this has never happened before. You know, so you know, it, it's a bit of, it's a bit hypocritical to try and castigate one woman. Um, for something that that has happened. Well, yes, and and especially castigate one woman when the bike didn't fucking fit her. If she says the bike didn't fit her as well as the track, I'm going to believe her. Do you know what I mean? It's like exactly. that. That's the thing as well. Is is it's not it's it's not like it's the average yeah. dude who's got like a thousand things that they can do about it. Yeah, exactly. And like, what did they want her to do? Ride a willier and lose? Like, fuck mm. off! Like, seriously! Mm-hmm. Like, just fuck right off! Um, mm. you know, and, and, and this is it. Look, I get that Willia, you know, cause yeah, up until this, this ITT, Linda hadn't won the world championship. She'd been on the podium for fucking ever, but she hadn't won. Mm. So yeah, maybe Willia didn't want to, you know, make a custom bike for her. Okay. That's their choice. But at that point, as far as I'm concerned, she's well within her rights to fucking ride a bike that does fit. I mean, yeah, yeah, and you know, you know what the funniest thing about it is, though, was in the interview afterwards, uh, someone's asking, "So, you know, UHC, will he be riding with them next year?" And she said something like, "We'll see." <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I understand why you said that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh. <sighs> So yeah, that was that was the worlds. That was the weekend worlds, basically. Um. Do you have now, post? Do you have post worlds blues? Oh, I totally have post worlds blues. Not least because I mean, technically, I know the season's not like a hundred percent over, but worlds is kind of like the end of the season, really, and and so it's like it's all about to start to get quieter. I mean, obviously, next week we're going to talk about the the new world tour for two thousand and sixteen and what we know about transfers and stuff. There's all sorts of cool things to look forward to, and even before we go tonight, we've still got you know some some um other racing to to discuss in terms of mountain bike and and bmx and stuff but um but yeah i've definitely got post world blues because it's like oh wow 2015 kind of i don't know like so much happened but at the same time i feel like i blinked and it all just went so fast yeah so we're gonna have next week we're gonna talk about the you know the season 2016 and then i guess the week after we can talk we're gonna talk about like 
our highlights, our traditional highlights of the year show, mm. which isn't according to popular, which isn't, you know, though some people think it is, not going to just be me going, and then every race, and that race, and that race, and that race, down to highlights. It's because Sarah and I try, uh, we don't always succeed, but we do actually try to keep this fucker to an hour, give or take, and so <laughs> so that, that generally shakes out to us being limited to three races each, because <laughs> I mean, we've talked about, what, like two races so far. <laughs> like, yeah. So three races each is, in an hour is pretty ambitious for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how long have we been going for today? Um, we've been we've been running for about an hour now, but you know, let's let's just quickly whip round the the mountain bike and BMX and and cross and stuff. Okay, so I loved the Red Bull Fox Hunt. What the Fox Hunt is is they start off with some superstar of mountain bike, um, get people, get a load of get a load of mountain bikers, not necessarily people who are like just ordinary mountain bikers who just love mountain biking, into a place. Um, in in this time in the, in the women's one, it was in Edinburgh. Get over a hundred women to kind of camp out overnight, have some practice runs and some how to ride this course really well they set off 100 riders and behind them is rachel atherton the uh road the downhill mountain bike world champion and rachel's job is to catch up and overtake all the riders and to try and get to the bottom first while all the other riders is to try and ride hell for leather and beat rachel even though she started behind them and it's it always there's there's her helmet cam which is just lovely it just seems such a lovely good race where she's like having a really good time and going i'm coming through behind you and that's checking, checking on people when they've fallen over and calling people by name are you all right rosie you know that kind of thing yeah, and yeah. it was awesome in in terms of a how to get as an event where just ordinary women have a lot of fun, um, she wasn't, she didn't win by any chance. Um, and Bex Baroka, Baroka um, won it. And yeah, fantastic. Uh, really good. Just watch, watch the helmet cam because helmet cam is fun anyway. Honestly, but Rach Atherton is brilliant. I know you love all helmet cam, but in my opinion, mountain bike helmet cam is the best helmet cam. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, more mountain bike. We had the sixth round of the Enduro Road Series World Series. If you don't know Enduro mountain biking, it's like this interesting mix between cross country and downhill, where riders also have to travel between um, between sections, kind between of stages, between yeah, yeah. stages. So they might have like you know four or five or six even races in a day, but you know with including getting between getting between them. Um, yeah. It was in Ainsa in Spain. It was absolutely flooded out. Like they, they had to, they had to call it off the last stage because it was just so wet. There's some really fun highlights videos. Um, the highlights videos always have lots of riders, lots and lots of different riders talking about the race. Um, you can get to know them. And there's a really good intro vid intro video where Tracy Mosley, the absolute superstar and the winner at Ainsa and the leader in the series, is talking about some of the women to watch and some of the women who are riding out there. Uh, we had some BMX, BMX Supercross World Cup last round of 2015 in Rock Hill. You can see all the videos um, on our site, uh, but the race and the series was won by Mariana Pajon from uh, Colombia. Cool. Over in Cyclocross, that was in America too. So there's road in America, there's BMX in America, and there's Cyclocross in America where tons of racing, Midnight Ride of Cyclocross, uh, GP Gloucester. Again, there's fantastic videos from Dirtwire TV, all the results, all the photos, looks like fun. Um, and in Europe, the first of the big races, the Sudal GP uh, Nearpelt, which was won by Sanna Van Parsen, all that cyclocross starts properly people this week uh with the super prestige heaton 
on the 4th of October. Now, it's going to be live on Arteve Drenta, and they're usually quite good at showing the women's race live. This could be live women's cyclocross. I'm not sure. I'll look it up, and I'll tell you on our blog, and I'll tell you on Twitter. We're on underscore, Twitter underscore. And then after Heaton is Ronsa, which is always one of my favorite races it's it's very um it's got the duck boards so you can see them bouncing you know the kind of little bouncing yeah jumps it's got it's like more like a mountain bike course and it's usually very this is the one where one year it was so 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 slippy that niels albert's bike ran away from him <laughs> and he got it back and then it ran away from him again and it was yeah. just someone pushed it back to him and it just went down the hill it's brilliant runs is a great runs is also the one where jenek stebar um, had a really nasty crash where he just had one of those things where you're kind of you're bouncing high in the saddle and you come down very hard on your saddle. Ooh. There's no good it, way to do that. Like, there's just like it doesn't matter which part of you lands, none of that is good. No, and um, yeah. and he landed in a very un and he also fell off on a corner and nearly landed on a baby in a pram. Oh, well, wow. Um, Bronzer is well, fantastic. But to, to be perfectly honest, I feel like it's a little uncharitable of you to be discussing men's cycling and pointing out its obvious inferiorities. Um, you know, you don't see that sort of <laughs> you don't see that sort of shit happening in women's cycling. So, <laughs> you know, um, I don't know how much there will be highlights, and we'll put that on our blog, uh, prowomenscycling.com. And I'll also put up how to watch women's cyclocross because it isn't the easiest thing in the world, but it's getting better and better and better and better. Um, Giro cool. dell'Emilia road race is on the 10th of October, which yep. always has really good TV, and Chrono Donations ITV, um, ITT on 18th of October. Don't know who will be racing that because I think everyone's gone on holiday now. Yeah. But, um, G- but uh, G- uh, Giro dell'Emilia always has a good field because it's in Italy it's beautiful and it's the last you know last race of the season yeah it's always the last race race of the season we'll be back to tell you all about it when it does happen and in the meantime join us next week as we discuss the the new world tour and um if you want to catch up with sarah in the meantime on twitter she is at underscore pigeons underscore um you can you can abuse me if you wish on at dan w official and um thank you for hanging out with us this long Thank you.